Um, hi, this is Once More with Nostalgia, and this is Virginia. This is Kirsten. And today we're going to do Welcome to the Hellmouth and the Harvest. Which are the first and second episodes of Buffy, respectively, which aired back-to-back on March 10th, 1997. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> they aired back-to-back, which is why we're doing both episodes in one. Because it's a two-parter that's kind of difficult to imagine yeah are you still there all right okay good yeah okay yeah yeah. sorry guys we were having problems (laughs) earlier recording we tried and our computers hate us and so does the internet apparently apparently yeah hopefully technical issues will be uh minimal here yes we'll find out (laughs) (laughs) well fun all right so Okay, so we were um, mentioning the uh, best scene from the episode. Mm -hmm. What was yours? My favorite... I'm trying to think. There was so much good in this episode. I know. That's... Well, especially because you're considering two different episodes. Um, My favorite scene is Anthony Stewart Head's audition scene. Mm-hmm. Which is the one where well, where Giles and Buffy are up in the bronze, just kind of talking about, well, pretty much getting you established in the show. Mm-hmm. You have character development, and you have world building. You have really good atmosphere. You have comedy. You everything that the show is pretty much about. Is in, it can be compressed into that scene. It's its own little microcosm. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, I really liked uh, the scene where everyone's in the library after being sort of shocked by what they had seen with the vampires, and Giles is, is explaining everything to them, the mythology and how vampires came to this world and what they want. And I thought that was a really good introduction to the lore of, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That one um, at the start of the harvest, right? Yeah, the very beginning of the harvest. Pretty much an extension of the whole scene in Welcome to the Hellmouth. You know, yeah. all, all the all the things that you were told were never real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for everybody else to hear that. That is, yeah. that is a really good scene. I like how we have the core Scooby group, really. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, all in their natural environment for the first time. It's like, oh, you guys have no idea how often <laughs> you're going to do this. Yeah. Okay, so um, keeping intact with the, with the good side of the episode, what was your favorite quote? Oh, my God. That's... Good that question, huh? <laughs> really difficult, but there are a lot of good ones, especially mm-hmm. uttered between the two episodes, but I think my favorite one is one that I missed about 500 times. And then just the last time I was watching The um, the Harvest, I picked up on Cordelia talking to her friends about dating um, boys their own grade. Oh. And she, say, she says something like, boys our own grade are like puppies. You just want to put them to sleep. Yeah. I, and I think I she was talking that. about Jesse at that point, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. But that was just like, holy crap. Yeah. Did anyone else catch that? That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, what, what about you? I think I liked the very end of The Harvest where Giles puts it simply – He says the earth is doomed. And I think the only reason I really love that line is because I know what's going to happen and how it ends. And it's kind of a reflection to the series finale. More foreshadowing. Right, yeah. So I I really love that. Every time I see, you know, hear foreshadowing, things that connect to future episodes, I always get excited. (laughs) I know. And this first season has so many instances of that too. It does. Did did you notice um, all of the scenes in Buffy's dream in the beginning? 
Yes, I did. I think that I was... saw, like, visual reference to the Inca Mummy Girl. Um, clips from The Harvest, The Puppet mm-hmm. Show, iRobot, You Jane, and Prophecy Girl. Prophecy Girl, yeah. Are featured in that wonderful, wonderful scene. No, that, that really is an awesome scene. That can kind of go into our, um... Like other, because I know you wanted to mention not just favorite scenes, but other really good moments in the yeah. episodes. And that is a really good one because, well, it gets you hooked, you know? It, yeah. It's in the very first pilot episode, I mean, there aren't a whole lot of pilots that mm-hmm. show off all these scenes that are going to happen, you know, in the rest of the, in the rest of the series. So that was a really good way to get the audience hooked in. Like, oh, what did you sign up for exactly? (laughs) (laughs) And it's really cool that they they show that she has these prophetic dreams. It sort of ties into the more of the lore of the Slayer. It's really interesting. Because you kind of forget sometimes about the more metaphysical kind of or mental aspects of being the Slayer because Mm -hmm. they highlight you know, the physical aspects of it so much, they don't really get into the mysticism. Well, okay, they do later on, you know, right. like past, like, season four and onward. But in the first few seasons, they really don't get into much besides, like, oh, Buffy's a superhero, by the way. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they show her strength, though. Like, she's, like, ripping the door open from the girls' locker room when she finds out there's a body in there. <laughs> I, I gotta admit, one of the... One of the things that always stuck with me from this episode is that scene where she's sneaking out in the harvest, you know, and mm-hmm. Principal Flutie's like, that's what, that's the Buffy Summers I want at my school. You know, a girl who's really solid, who's got her feet on the ground. And then, like, <laughs> she, like five seconds later, she just jumps. She over jumps the over the fence. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> that was, that's a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way they sort of like, I don't want to say portray the adults as bad guys, but they're sort of a challenge to her. You got the yeah. principal and her mom who grounds her, and it's just, it's funny that it's like she knows she has to go out and save the world, yet her mom. <laughs> that scene is great. I know, I know. If you don't go out, it'll be the end of the world. <laughs> Everything's life or death when you're 16 years old. <laughs> Which is funny because I think, um, Looking back to when we were 16, we could relate. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, so we've done all the good stuff. What about the bad stuff? What was the worst scene in your opinion? I couldn't pick just one. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. All right, all right, hold on. Just Okay. uh, Okay, there, in these two episodes... There is one scene with the master that I actually like. The mm-hmm. rest of them I hate beyond measure because they just haven't stood up well. The scenes at with all. the master? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like okay, the Okay, I know this is kind of backtracking a little. Okay, the one good scene with the master mm-hmm. is the one where Jesse's kind of being introduced to him, like he's standing there and, you know, um, Darla and Luke are just kind of, you know, shooting the shit about, you know, oh, we're big bad vampires and blah, 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 mm-hmm. Slayer might be in town, whatever. Because that scene actually feels like you're in his shoes, like mm-hmm. you're watching this play out, like you're scared of the master as he's, like, threatening. Yeah, Not threatening, but, you know, he's, you know, tells Darla, like, you fed the fuck yeah and just he's he's being very if you're watching that scene from jesse's perspective that's scary that is scary. i like that scene every other scene with the master is just really cringeworthy for me <laughs> especially his intro because like i was reading that um originally they wanted to have the master just covered in blood for every single scene. That would have been pretty cool. (laughs) I know, that would have been, yeah, but obviously there were logistical issues with that, so they didn't do it, but, Mm -hmm. like, just the whole part where he's rising out of the blood and everything, and I, it's one of those things that you have to, like, you have to close your eyes and try to imagine it the way that Joss or whoever must have been imagining it when they were writing it. You're like, (laughs) all right, I can see how this would be something to be scared of or something, but just 
the application of it even yeah i think I the mean, fact even, that it comes out squeaky clean was just yeah uh, just i mean again problems shooting an actor yeah. completely covered in blood but yeah they could have done it <laughs> they were all just so awkward. oh that and uh the scene where the first a uh, vampire that Buffy stakes, the guy who was hitting on Willow, mm-hmm. he he um, he goes poof in the traditional sense, but also, did you notice that they do like this, like that little fairy dust sound yeah. effect or whatever? Yeah. That you, know, was, uh, you know what I noticed, bad. though, that they didn't do that sound effect for the vampires that were dusted out of the scene. Like, mm-hmm. if someone gets dusted and then they sort of back out of the camera view, you don't hear the sound effect. <laughs> so, no, I guess you, you just assume that they got dusted. Well, I think they only had that. I think they only had, like, the fairy dust sound <laughs> effect. I'm calling it that because I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> but they, I think they only had that once before they realized, all right, guys, let's just cut that out and stick with the other, like, I don't know. The, the traditional sound effect, you know. Yeah, the better. And you can tell that, I mean, it's the first episode, so you can see that they're testing the waters. And you can tell with the um, the vampire makeup, too. Like, when Darla first vamps oh out, yes. it, it's like you yes. can see it coming, the way the way the camera was angled and then... Well, it was bad because her hair... Cha- that's the, yeah, that's the thing that's that kills true. me. Her hair changes between... yeah. Between sequences, it's like they could have tried better to get that more consistent. Yeah. I don't know. But well, they do get better later. <laughs> much better later. They, they yeah, had to. They had practice. Obviously, quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Problems. But what is your least favorite scene from these episodes? My least favorite scene um, was when when Xander and Buffy come back from what is that like the sewer tunnels. Like the substation. Yeah, and they go to the library and they tell Willow the bad news that Jesse got, that he's dead, he's vamped, and everybody just kind of seems to shrug it off. I mean, Xander put his life on the line to go save his best friend, and now he's dead, and all he did was, you know, kick over a trash can. And Willow's just sitting there like, oh, well, at least you two are okay. (laughs) Shrug, shrug. Yeah. (laughs) You can... You can believe definitely that Xander is distraught about Jesse's death and that he just kind of throws himself into the events of season one to kind of just like he throws himself into the fight to distract himself Mm -hmm. from losing Jesse. But with Willow and I'm not even necessarily talking about. Allison Hannigan's acting ability. <laughs> I'm just talking about like the lines they wrote for Willow and everything. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't seem affected by it at all. I mean, she doesn't have to see Jesse as a vampire. Xander really has to deal with that pretty much by himself. Right. But that, yeah, that is really bad consistency because yeah. they apparently they've been like the three musketeers since like kindergarten right and that is kind of weird like your best friend since kindergarten that this horrible thing that's pretty much like worse than death happened to him and you're just like oh whatever <laughs> at least you two are okay <laughs> yeah my my brand new friend who's kind of talking to me and the guy i've had a crush on for forever right <laughs> Well, I know that um, Buffy's presence kind of fills Jesse's void for both of them. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. That's just... And and I do understand why they do it, too. Like, why they kill Jesse. I think for the first episode, they just wanted to show people, look, this isn't your conventional show. He may be a main character, but he's still not safe. That doesn't make him safe. Mm-hmm. So, and, I mean, I... It, falls kind of flat for me because I think we don't as an audience we don't get that time to get to know Jesse as much as we should to for it to affect us when he dies you know not at all so and I think that kind of reflected you know in the writing with Willow and Xander they wrote about Jesse for just this one episode so they can't really you know express it I guess his loss They just, they all kind of jump into, all right, well, now he's gone. Let's save the world. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, but that is yeah. that is kind of crass leaving behind. I know that um I, I can't remember the actor's name who plays Jesse, but um I know that Joss wanted to put him in the title credits and then kill him off in the same one mm-hmm. because he's a dick like that, but he did <laughs> he did do that with Amber Benson, you know, obviously right. later on and uh what is that guy's name though who plays Jesse? Oh here we go. Uh Eric Balfour. Balfour. Yes. Oh, yeah, he came out in um, The O.C. <laughs> oh, I was going to say the only other thing I remember him from is some bit role in The Big Lebowski. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I never watched O.C. Oh, you but... don't need to. <laughs> anyway. It wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah. We're both, uh, well, you, you were born in 88, right? Yes. And yeah. I was 91, so we're... So for the audience, because that's very important to know the years of our birth. <laughs> but yeah. um, all right, yeah. so those are those were the good, the bad scene parts out of the way there. Okay, so let's um, let's see. Are there any other really bad moments? I can think of another really bad super nineties moment. Mm. <laughs> um, when they're in the computer lab, um, Willow and <laughs> Harmony and Cordelia, and all of a sudden oh, this surfer oh. dude just, <laughs> he just happens to join the conversation. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure I've seen that exact same guy in, like, every other 90s movie and show <laughs> ever, and he does the exact same thing. He just comes in, hey. Yeah. <laughs> if it's That's not like him, then scene. it's probably, like... I think that was, like, the thing to do, like, with extras. Like, oh, you can just pretend you're listening in. <laughs> Squeeze yourself in that conversation. <laughs> Pretty much, because he's just, oh, that, that guy's awesome. He, he needs he needs his own entry on the wiki or something. <laughs> I think but he what? does, actually. Because <laughs> he has, like, a character name. So if you go on, like, the Buffy wiki... Like, it'll say his name and what episodes he comes out in, because I know he comes out in another one. <laughs> oh my god, I need to... I have that up right here. I can try to look that up for my own... for our own interest here while you're... <laughs> yeah, what, what What exactly, though, about that scene is your least favorite, or I guess is cringeworthy for you, just the, I think the datedness of it? Or? I think the datedness of it, and then the fact that he just randomly joins in this conversation... <laughs> Whereas when Willow tries to jump in, um, Cordelia's like, it's none of your business. <laughs> Give you the right to exist. Right, and it's like, well, this cheesy surfer dude can do it. <laughs> well, he's just got the look of one of those dudes who's just, you know, there. I don't know. I'm not... I do like, though, that... Um, Tom class. Here we go. Sorry. Go go ahead. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I really do like though that Willow gets her a little bit of revenge when she makes her makes uh, Cordelia delete all of her work. <laughs> yes. How do you save this? Deliver. <laughs> Where's that? Oh, here it is. <laughs> and they cut away at the exact right moment. Yeah, it was perfect timing. Oh, and I looked up that dude. He's in a. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the pack. Too, oh, okay. As well as... Does he have a name, his character? It's just... Oh, Adam. Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I'm surprised Adam. the name. Well, yeah, now, now we know this <laughs> random <laughs> dude's name. That was that was a very important fact when we had to look Right, up, huh? we, we just had to. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, there, there are a lot of really cringeworthy... <laughs> oh, yeah. something that I just really, really, really hated was um, just the whole trope of, oh, this thing we just found out about that's going to be the end of the world. It's happening tonight. <laughs> like, wow, that's, uh, that's incredibly yeah. convenient, isn't it? And that, that is just, and that happens in every single episode, too. It's, it like, does, convenient. And it's just really, really annoying. It's like, <laughs> I get that Giles can't use a computer. But we get that he's really British. <laughs> we also get the fact that he's 
the idea that he's really smart, so he shouldn't constantly be on the thing of, like, calling up a bunch of high schoolers and being like, oh, by the way, guys, the world's going to end tonight, so you guys kind of need to, you know, (laughs) cut your study date short and come help me out here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Giles. (laughs) Okay, so, um, do you want to move on to foreshadowing? foreshadowing lots of good foreshadowing in this we probably should warn everybody we probably should have warned everybody before we actually started that there will be spoilers (laughs) if you haven't seen it if you haven't watched it by now well why are you even listening to this podcast because we're all about reviews of the episode right this is technically a rewatch so don't listen unless you've re if you're re-watching it with us because that's the whole point. <laughs> because there were spoilers before, but now there are going to be definite spoilers. Yes, even Our, bigger ones. Yes, such as, um, nice little segue here. <laughs> um, Buffy in the Harvest tells Giles, you know, like, so, you know, anything you have to make this day worse? Oh, the end of the world. She's like, I knew I could count on you. <laughs> and that just obviously goes for the whole series. I mean, this is only, what, the second day they've known each other. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't even know it yet, but he's obviously going to fill this tremendous father figure for her. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's going to fill the role of a father figure for her and kind of be the person who's, she really does count for everything. And then, obviously, that's a whole big plot point in season six, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, and then... um Obviously, at the end of Harvest, um, when Giles says, you know, well, next week it might be something completely different when, right. when Willow says, vampires and stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, I got a good one here. Um, whatchamacallit, when they're, again, in that exact same scene at the very end of Harvest, uh-huh. and... They're just kind of talking about, you know, like how the rest of the year is going to go. And I think it's Willow who says to Buffy, you know, in regards to her burning the school down. I mean, her last school, the the gym at her last school. She's like, well, you could always blow something up. (laughs) Obviously, that's, you know. What's going to happen. Yeah. You mentioned some foreshadowing. Well, I have one that... um... I actually realized while watching it again this morning. (laughs) Um, If you notice throughout the entire series, when when they mention Angel, lots of times they refer to him as either a dog or a puppy. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, he bites Buffy later on. And in season four, I think Parker notices her bite on her neck, a little scar, and she's like, oh, a puppy bit me or something. Angry puppy. So, um, what I noticed about this episode is very early on in the pilot of the series, they are already referring to vampires as dogs. If you remember some of the cringeworthy scenes with the master, um, actually, I think it was a scene that you mentioned was really good where Jesse's in there. And the master's like, you've tasted it already. I'm your faithful dog. You bring me scraps. Mm-hmm. So that was one of them. And then earlier on, I think you also mentioned where Cordelia was talking about Jessie and dating guys her age where they're just puppies and they should be put down. <laughs> yeah, and then I remember um, Drusilla calls um, a few people like, puppy and stuff like that in season two right right yeah it happens a lot throughout this throughout the series and i think earlier um i think it was when buffy was beating up darla she says something like oh i just wanted to live a normal life i could have had a dog (laughs) but no (laughs) i didn't notice all this stuff with dogs (laughs) i didn't notice i mean i was putting it together this morning like literally this morning when i was watching it again if I didn't watch it to refresh myself, I probably wouldn't have caught it. Wait a go. I didn't catch anything new when I was watching the episodes this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for everyone listening, I, um, I'm pretty sure Virginia does a rewatch like every summer, right? I do, every single summer. Yeah. That is 
really impressive. Yeah, this is the <laughs> first time I've seen the show in probably like, I don't know, 10 years or something. <laughs> I kind of tried to distance myself and then I failed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got sucked back in because of you. <laughs> you know you love it. <laughs> I know, I know. I just don't want to admit it. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm willing to. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's why I'm, that's why so much of the time when she'll bring him, I'll be like, oh my god, I didn't even realize that because I'm just kind of mind blown by it. <laughs> that is, that is a really, I'm going to have to watch out for that in future episodes, all the references, the dogs they make. Yeah, maybe we should try and keep count for each episode and see how many times it happens. Well, I know that I, thanks to the wiki, again, thank you, wiki, I, I was um, jotting down the uh, death counts for, for this episode. Oh, cool. So how many people died? Nine people die in this episode. Nine people? Well, in, in both episodes. Two people oh, okay. die in Welcome to the Hellmouth, and seven people die in The Harvest. So that's nine, right? That's nine, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't math. I can't math at all. So. <laughs> it's too early in the morning. <laughs> well, you're a morning person, so... Yeah, and I still need more caffeine. <laughs> my average bedtime is like 4 a.m. Oh my gosh, that's the time I get up. <laughs> I know! It's terrible. Uh, <sighs> Oh, just another thing um, mm -hmm. I wanted to throw in about the foreshadowing really quick well, before we move on here. Sure. Um, I really like the scene where Buffy and Willow are talking in the bronze because Buffy kind of unintentionally leads Willow to danger with her whole, you know, seize the day spiel. Uh-huh. And this is really the first time that Willow is in danger because of Buffy. And obviously, throughout the entire course of the show, <laughs> she is going to come into these situations again and again and, and again, again. And again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, just because just Buffy's her friend. Yeah. Just kind of the high price of being friends with the Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know that um, somebody... I know who doesn't like the show very much. Um, <laughs> who that is. Um, they had mentioned before that a lot of things, like you say, it's like a very nice coincidence that it happened to happen that day or that place or whatever. But I think a lot of it, I think the reasoning with the writers is the fact that they have the hell mouth right there under the school. I think that that, it was genius to have that there considering it's going to draw a lot of the danger and a lot of the, you know, demons, vampires to Sunnydale High. So it's going to keep bringing different stories and different, you know, action lines over to Buffy to sort of make it a bit more realistic. Yeah, and let's face it, I mean, there's no better group you could possibly target for this kind of thing to feed off of emotionally than teenagers. Right. <laughs> and I like the fact that they dust, that they um, dust the vampires simply because they didn't want to have to deal with hiding Clean the up. corpses. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think I, I, there's one episode, like, later on in one of the later seasons where they kill a demon and it doesn't disappear and they're like what do we do with this thing <laughs> yeah doesn't it start like oozing or something yeah it's like are we supposed like, to bury this or <laughs> even bigger mess yeah <laughs> yeah that's definitely a so uh big kudos to the writers for figuring all that stuff out before <laughs> making the mistake <laughs> so clever very yeah. clever do you have any other foreshadowing I don't have any more on foreshadowing because I, I, I get the feeling like there's a ton I'm missing here that does foreshadow because this show especially is just uses so much of it. But that's that is really all I can think of. I mean, I, I think somebody might mention to Buffy also about her not doing very well, like you know, her grades and everything, I think mm -hmm. in season two, that kind of becomes like a subplot, doesn't it? Like her trying to get caught up. With, yeah. Like, 
but yeah, that's that's all I can really think of. Um, did you have any, or did you notice any pop culture references? Oh, quite a few. To the 90s. A lot of really old references. Mm-hmm. So what do you have cool. for us? I only I only noticed one, and that's only because I was dealing with all of the foreshadowing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of dogs. Um, the one that I pointed out was um, when she sort of chases down that um, 80s-looking vampire, and she's like, you look like DeBarge, live in the now. <laughs> I had to look that up because, I, I, I mean, I'm a huge 80s nerd in every way possible, but I was like, DeBarge, what the fuck is that? I'm like, oh, it says here they're a band. They're a band, yeah. <laughs> I think they were, I think they formed like in 79 or 80 or something like that, but they're, yeah, an 80s band. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I, I got a few, um, I got a few more references here. Um, I never saw Animal House, but apparently Um, Mark Medcalf, who plays the master, was, like, in that, and, um... And he quoted himself. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Like, there's that line of, you're all weak, and I guess that was in Animal House. Uh I, I didn't, I didn't see that one, but, um... Also, I didn't know if this was a reference, but it certainly made me think of it. That scene um, at the end where she's fighting Luke, mm-hmm. and she manages to trick him for a second with artificial sunlight. Oh, that was awesome scene. <laughs> that, that, that was. That made me think of Interview with a Vampire. I don't know if it was supposed to be a reference to that, but, you know, there's that whole scene at the end of Interview with a Vampire where Lestat, who I think... I don't know if he's the same age as Luke is supposed to be, but they're they're both supposed to be much older vampires. Uh Like, they were born way before the invention of electric lights. Yeah. So that still takes them both really off guard, and it fools them, you know, at least momentarily. Just in Luke's case, he ends up getting killed for it. Considering the whole time underground, it was just candlelit. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, Luke was... I I really loved Luke as a villain. I think he did a really good job. He was really cool, and I think the fact that they didn't show his human face, he was vamped, like, the whole time, kind of had something to do with it, but yeah. I, th- I thought he was a really good villain. He was, and I I was particularly nerding out on him, too, because uh, <laughs> Brian Thompson, the guy who plays him, who mm-hmm. also plays the judge in uh, season two, yes. he is literally in everything, he looked and acted a lot like like the T eight hundred from the first Terminator movie, <laughs> which is the first the very first thing that he was ever in. He played oh some gosh. punk that got his heart ripped out, you know, by Arnold. Schwarzenegger. Oh my gosh, really? Yes. Oh my god, I have to go rewatch back, it. <laughs> go back and watch it. He's not Bill Paxton, he's the other guy. Um, I have I think, to watch it. Yeah, he's it's the very first thing he's ever credited as being in. Wow. And there are just a lot of scenes, especially the the tight black t-shirt they have him in in this mm-hmm. episode. That especially just made me think of that movie. I'm a huge Terminator nerd. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> so, but I just kept noticing. I mean, obviously, he was in a lot of action movies from the 80s and everything, but mm-hmm. that in particular, there were just, you know, like, people beating on him and having their fists bounce off and everything. I'm like, dude, that just feels <laughs> familiar. That's so funny. Yeah, I didn't know he did so many things. I don't... He really, really I did. can't remember what I was watching. Re- this was recently, too, maybe, like, within the past year. I saw him in something. I just can't think of what it was. <laughs> bring, bring, up, bring up his IMDb on your phone or something really quick. Let's see. I know, because this is bothering me. I know. Sorry, um, guys. We kind of do this. <laughs> bear with us. You're probably the same way. The Expendables. <laughs> was that what you saw? Yeah. That's what I saw him in. Wow. He does have a long list. I know, right? It just goes on and on and on. <laughs> he was on Star Trek Enterprise. Wow. He was on Charmed. I know. <laughs> oh, wow. He was on Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> just like I said, just, just everything. Everything. <laughs> so let's. So I'm glad we're taking the time out of our <laughs> podcast here to just like hear a worship. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's just... 
when you get to those actors, like that same thing with that dude who played the random surfer stoner dude. Yeah, it bothers you until you have to look it up. (laughs) And and those guys who are just like there and everything are like, they just kill you because it's like, what else were you in? Right. In everything. Okay, okay, we need to move past this. I'm sorry. I think this is my Um, what were we, oh yeah, pop culture references. There was, um, I don't know if it was Cordelia or Xander, somebody was talking about how small Sunnydale is, which I think is kind of ridiculous considering, um, later on in season four, it turns out they have a university there and I know, right? to the point where they have to move out and live in the dorms to be there. But anyway, um, somebody mentions that it's a one Starbucks town. That's Xander, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, ooh, Starbucks. That, yeah, that, that was good. That was definitely good. Um, oh, I got it. When um, when Cordelia's quizzing Buffy to see if she'll, like, fit in or whatever, and she mentions James Spade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That killed me. That just about put me in the ground. I was laughing so hard. Well, I think she, she mentions quite a few things there, right? Uh, yeah, like John Tesh. Yeah, John Tesh. I had to look up who he was, too, because I had no idea. <laughs> I know James Spader, obviously, from Stargate. And right. Pink or whatever, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like, I don't know if this is necessarily a reference. I was trying to find out more of it this morning, but I really do like how the Buffy visual effects team or whatever the makeup team decided to go with the same makeup for their vampires that they go with in the Lost Boys. <laughs> Cause oh, I love wow. that. I, I, love... I love that too. I haven't seen that movie in quite a while, but yeah, oh, I, I can to, see that. You need now. to see it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the podcast. <laughs> Pretty much. Just go, go watch Keeper Subtle and run around in those ridiculously tight jeans <laughs> for two hours. I, I love that movie. That's a great movie. It's a great movie. It is. But I, I always really liked how they decided to go with that makeup. Yeah. It, it does look really good. It sets them apart. Like, I, I was just, I was trying to read a bunch of trivia for these two episodes, especially this morning before we set <laughs> this up. And I was trying to find out more about the makeup. But all I could really find was that Joss said that he thought it would reflect better if Buffy went around, like, in her moments where she is literally killing things if they don't have a human face, because otherwise that would just look really bad, and it might lose some points for the audience's sympathy, which, personally, I wouldn't care, maybe because, right. you know, we're, we're past the days of Buffy where we have, like, a million different vampire shows, and they don't bother with the makeup right. of any of them. Yeah, it was way different back then. But I, when, think, I think it looks really good because it sort of... Sh- um, it, validates what Giles said before where it's like it's not human it's a demon possessed human exactly so, you're, you're looking at the thing that killed you know right this exactly so oh, I, yeah that's another reason I really love the the way they do the makeup of course it gets the makeup gets better as the se- series progresses <laughs> but, but even in this first overall, episode yeah it's really good it was yeah so, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate this pilot? I kind of rated them separately. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, Welcome to the Hellmouth and the Harvest. Um, I, out of 10, I give Welcome to the Hellmouth a 7, because it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a damn good intro. And I know, again, these are pretty much the same episode but i think the harvest is such a stronger maybe because it's the second half and it just really everything comes together in Mm -hmm. that one it's i really really like the harvest as an episode (laughs) in and of itself so even if it you know you do separate from the first one i'm contradicting myself all over the place anyway (laughs) for the harvest i give that more of like a really high eight because it feels really well-rounded to me Mm -hmm. in terms of it just This goes back to the thing I was saying about my favorite scene with Buffy and Giles, where it literally does does just demonstrate everything that the show is. And I think The Harvest Mm -hmm. in particular does a really good job of just getting that all out there all at once. 
Yeah. So what what does our glorious, gracious host do? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I sort of combined it into one big fat episode, and I would I rated it a seven because I felt that it was a really, really good introduction to just the world and the lore and everything that is the Slayer. And I felt, just like you said, it, it was a good um, sort of... It had a little bit of everything that you're going to get in future episodes. So it was like the entire series in a nutshell. This is what you're going to get. And I really liked it about that episode. Um, so I have a surprise for you, Kirsten. I don't... <laughs> You're always surprising me. Why well, don't I'm I'm not sure if it's a surprise or not because I, I may have mentioned it to you. <laughs> oh no, go ahead and tell me. I don't even know if we're still recording. <laughs> we are, we are. Um, <laughs> oh good. But um, I have a trivia for you, and this one is specifically for your favorite part for the harvest, not for the hell. Welcome to the Hellmouth. Did you just faint? No, I, I, I dropped something off, off, off um, set or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, wow, it, Kirsten, you're a little too excited. <laughs> I am a little too excited. I don't, I don't talk to people. So this is the most social interaction I've done in a really long time. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> you know what, you're a trivial woman. Okay, so this is not, it's not very difficult, and I'm sure for you it's going to be super easy um, this trivia is um, courtesy of funtrivia.com, and if you go to funtrivia.com, you can find a trivia of really anything, any subject, Star Wars, X-Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, literally. I would never get off that site. <laughs> I, I know, trust me. <laughs> you shouldn't have told me about I've it. I've been addicted to it. Anyway, so what we're going to do now is the quiz for the harvest. So, first question. Ready? Yes. Okay. At the beginning of the episode, it is revealed that a vampire had tasted Jesse on the way to the mausoleum. Which vampire was it? Darla. Darla is correct. Woo! <laughs> so proud. Okay. <laughs> question number two. Who is Jesse taken to as an offering? Two words. Dead master. The master. Okay. Next question. When and where was the last time Luke fought somebody who lived? Uh, it was the 1800s and it was Madrid, Spain. <laughs> Do you have a specific year in the 1800s? Oh, God. I don't, I don't know. Do you want me to give you the options for the year? I'm not going to get the year. <laughs> I can tell you right now, you can read me whatever options you have. I'm going to choose the wrong one. Okay, what well, the, rec the correct answer is Madrid, 1843. There we go. See, it was the 1800s. <laughs> because, because he was sleeping. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what does Luke tell Jesse that he's been upgraded to? Bait. Bait, that's correct. Bait. Okay. <laughs> Next question. What did Willow accidentally decrypt? Uh, the town halls something. God, I, I was just, I had these episodes on this morning <laughs> and I was just kind of like tuning out. Multiple choice. I, I didn't expect to get quizzed on this. <laughs> um, okay, multiple choice. Here are the options. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let okay. me guess. Let me guess before okay. you do that. Um, the Town Hall City Records? You're kind of close. <laughs> Ish. Okay. Um, option A, the security codes for the electric tunnel. Option B, the City Council's security system. Option C, the government security system. Or option D, the national security codes. B. B is correct. The city Yay. council security system. <laughs> okay, next, next question. Next time I'll get questions for you or something. <laughs> okay. Next time we'll just write, like, we'll write questions for each other and then we'll take turns. And How's that? Yes. Yeah, okay. that works. <laughs> okay, next question. Where is the access to the tunnel? 
bow in the mausoleum. God, I'm so mentally challenged. <laughs> yeah, in the mausoleum. <laughs> um, what does Buffy tell Flutie she's, she's doing as opposed to leaving school grounds? Uh, getting a book for Giles, <laughs> which I think actually leads to that really wonderful line. I don't know how they do things in Britain. <laughs> they got that royal family and all those problems. <laughs> I think this is a trick question because the correct answer is that she was admiring the quality of the fence work. That is a trick question because she... <laughs> Because she very specifically says that she was going to go get something Buy a for book. Giles. Yeah, from the store. Yeah, that's, that's a multi. That's a multi-answer question. It <laughs> is. It is. That I don't like that question. Boo. Boo. Okay. Next. <laughs> next question. When Flutie doesn't believe her first reason, Buffy changes her story. What does she claim Giles sent her to get? <laughs> well, there you go. A book. book. Okay. There we go. Next question. What does Xander bring with him to the tunnels to help Buffy? A flashlight. A I flashlight, think. to which yeah. she says, turn that thing off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The com- complete the following question. Buffy asks this to Angel. Do you know what it's like? Blank, 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 blank. <laughs> Four words. Uh... I don't know, traditional slayer bitching. She doesn't have a life of her own, and friends are difficult, and boys, and fashion. I don't know, something like that, right? (laughs) Do you know what it's like to have a friend? Oh, that part. That wasn't supposed to be a stumper. stumper. (laughs) What a bitch thing to say. (laughs) Right? You just smack yourself. (laughs) No, I clapped (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I slapped myself for asking that question. <laughs> oh, we're getting way too giddy here. Yeah. All right. Okay, next question. What does Angel whisper to Buffy as she enters the tunnel? Which, she if you ask me, exits. when she enters the tunnel and leaves him standing there, which you, <clears throat> if you ask me, he said it way too late. I, that's the part that I really like, that whole, like, thing where he says, good luck. That's yeah. also my answer. I good really luck. like that because that, that that scene stuck with me for my entire life, and I couldn't figure out where it came from. I don't know <laughs> why. It was just the thing, the dynamic of him saying good luck after she's after not she's even going to hear it. Yeah. I, I love that scene. But anyway, it's a that good is scene, my yeah. answer. Okay. That is correct. What button does Willow tell Cordelia to press? <laughs> Deliver. Deliver. That's correct. Um, whilst at the computers, Cordelia calls Buffy something. What does she call her? She calls her something? Um, this is when the surfer dude comes in. Yeah, I don't know. Cordelia, great insult here. Uh, I have four options. Do you want to hear them? Go for it. They they all sound pretty much the same. But anyway, A, psychotic. B, insane. C, a psycho loony. Or D, crazy. (laughs) Uh, Either psychotic or psycho loony. Psycho loony. She's not psycho. You don't even know her. (laughs) We can't get permission to exist. (laughs) Deliver. Okay. Um, Master, we had her trapped. Which vampire says this? I... That's maybe just because of the way you read it, but that sounds like Darla. (laughs) It was Colin. Oh, the vampire that, who gets the... his eye gouged out. Yes. That was another <laughs> one of my my honorable mentions for favorite line. That that part of the mask is like, oh, you've got something, something in your, your eye. eye. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay. Um, I think we're going to make this the last question because there's way too many in this. Okay. Okay. To perform this duty, Luke was given a name. What is his name? The vessel. The vessel. My blood is your blood. (laughs) 
Joss and his ascensions, his anointed ones, his chosen ones, and his vessels. <laughs> oh, Joss. <laughs> I, I, I have a... I have kind of a trivia question for... Yeah, yeah, this, this counts as trivia. Okay, go for it. All right. Who originally played Willow during the pilot episode? The unaired pilot. I don't know her name, but I know she was not Allison Hannigan. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I've actually seen the unaired pilot, and I, I don't know who she is, but I really don't like her as Willow. <laughs> And I think it's because I'm just used to Allison Hannigan. Definitely. But she's just, the way she acts Willow out, it just didn't cut it for me. But uh, what's her name? Riff Reagan. I never would have gotten that. I, I, I only know because I looked it up when I was looking up all this stuff. Or oh. I, think was, I think she was like in a few other 90s, like teen shows but not a whole lot but yeah it i was thinking about that earlier too and i was just like it's just because allison hannigan and sarah michelle Gellar have just the best chemistry they together. do they work really well together ridiculously they just you stick them right next to each other and it just stuff happens <laughs> yeah stuff happens. it seems like there it's more <laughs> it's more plausible to have them as best friends versus the other chick who played yeah willow and i don't know why but it's because you can't really like i I have this theory that nicholas brendan just has fantastic chemistry with absolutely everyone in the entire world (laughs) because i haven't seen him act with anyone yet where it just didn't fly by you know yeah but that's yeah like even with um miss reagan and him, like, you, you totally buy that they're, you know, whatever, best friends, but it's a lot harder when you bring Buffy into the picture because it's just, it's hard to even, like, watching them interact is difficult. Yeah. <laughs> they just, something about, I don't know, just one of those things. Yeah. I guess now we've progressed to the rambling, trivia, <laughs> whatever, et cetera, miscellaneous portion. <laughs> Well, I guess we can sort of give like a little bit of a sneak peek as to what we're going to talk about next episode. Which is which? Which, yes. Which is episode three of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I'm kind of excited for this one. I'm extremely excited for that (laughs) one because, oh boy. Oh, boy. I mean, when when Giles says, you know, like, well, next week it might be something completely different. And it is. (laughs) Yeah, that that, that ended up being completely accurate. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's only the third episode, but it's already one where there's no vampires in it, which is kind of interesting considering it's a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But That's a great point for me because... Yeah. As Giles (laughs) explains, it's not just vampires out there. It's Anything Living with a mystical energy. Yeah. Get more than just vampires. Right. Okay, so I guess we'll um, get to that next time. Do you have any last final thoughts on Welcome to the Hellmouth slash The Harvest? Um, not really. I guess just to go ahead and give props to... I, I, I can never remember who wrote an episode of a show any show i always forget the writers which is ridiculous but just congratulations to the (laughs) people who put that episode together because it was a truly fantastic pilot i can tell you right now let's go yeah the pilot episode was written by joss whedon and directed by john t kretschmer yeah, I figured Joss probably yeah. had something to do with it. But, I think you know. he does most of the, like, season openings and finales, right? I think so. But interestingly enough, Welcome to the Hellmouth had a different director, and his name was Charles Martin Smith, which is I... weird considering it was a giant episode when it first aired. But yeah. I guess they had planned to separate it later anyway, so... Yeah, because I know it's split up on the DVD and on... Yeah, on Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, I'm watching on um, Prime Video, so it's split up on there, too. 
good job, guys. You, you made a hell of a pilot. It's on <laughs> in most shows, the pilot is the most boring thing mm-hmm. ever, and the Buffy pilot was really, really solid. I like how they did like a quick introduction and they just jumped right into the main story versus most shows these exactly. days who have like a super long introduction. <laughs> yeah, I remember they had the movie before this. So yeah, that's true. They didn't really have to put in as much, but right. what I like is that you don't even have to have seen that really, let's be honest, terrible movie. Yes. <laughs> in order to watch. <laughs> but I think that's what made it so great, too. It's like they did an intro to the whole story and the, you know, the universe that is the Slayer. But they did it quickly enough where they could just jump into the action. So that was pretty cool. Okay, so I guess that's it for the pilot episode. For the pilot, pilot, pilot. Oh, God. Because <laughs> now I'm thinking, okay, you know what, never mind. I'm cutting myself off there before I go into like mill house territory here trying to explain <laughs> myself all right whatever point being that's the end of our first episode the pilot about the pilot exactly exactly <sighs> okay so next time we'll get into talking about the witch now do you want to tell people how they can connect to you online yes on Tumblr and AO3, I am Nemes9, and there should be a link that's going to accompany this because I don't want to spell out my name every time. <laughs> right. So. All, all of the links we're going to mention here are going to be in the description. So There you go. Yeah, if you so. want to um, connect with us, you can always go there. Um, for this podcast, you can find it on nostalgicreviews.wordpress.com. And I also have a Buffyverse Tumblr. It's buffy-verse.tumblr.com. And all of those links are going to be posted on the description for this. And you can listen to this podcast either on the WordPress site or on iTunes. We are now on Stitcher and we're on Spreaker.com as well. So so we're all over the place. We got our bases covered. <laughs> Super covered, Yes. <laughs> and you can always contact us with any questions, comments. If you want to correct us on something that we said, you're more than welcome to. Um, we love having interactions with people, so feel free. Leave a review or questions or comments. Scream at us for missing things. Scream at us for rambling. Um, I don't know. Anything at all. Whatever. Just to say Whatever. hi. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're here. We're, we're queer. Here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm, I'm speaking for Virginia or not. Well, sometimes. <laughs> it, it's 2015. Who the hell isn't queer? Right, right? exactly. Who isn't? <laughs> All right. All right. So, so, until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs> when I created the show of Buffy, I, um, I had made the movie already. Well, I'd written the movie already, and the movie was designed to sort of twist horror movies and empower this young girl, but that's not the basis for a TV show um, because that's just one story. So um, I spent a lot of time thinking about well, what would sustain it and that click of, oh yeah, high school was a horror movie. It was a horror movie of humiliation and isolation and power and cruelty and, um, and to put that into the horror movie genre every week, there would be enough for let's say seven years worth of entertainment where I could actually tell stories that meant something to me about my life and still have with the er and the woo and the sex and the fun. As we went forward, um, the relationship with Angel really clicked with people. Uh, I saw how extraordinarily talented Sarah was and the rest of the cast were. Every time you reach a goal, you know, you look for the next place. And in my case, I tend to be looking for it as I'm setting foot. Um, I, you know, the moment I've come somewhere, I want, I want to see if I can get any higher. And so as soon as something worked, we wanted to look beyond it. It's like, well, can we, go, can we go deeper with this? Can we get darker with this? Can we get more real with this? Can we get more ridiculous with this? And um, it really made me realize that, you know, when you're creating an ensemble, you 
you need everybody to be in their own corner. It's like they're they're all holding you know the blanket that the audience is going to jump into, and if they're not all in different places, the audience will not bounce. Uh, then you you know you you must create characters who are naturally opposed, naturally individual, and then ultimately they always end up sort of fulfilling certain things. Well, there is always one of them who we refer to as the Cordelia, the one who says what everybody's thinking in a mean way, and then Spike became that, and sometimes it was Jane, and you know, and it's uh, it's different every time, but. Um, but you always need all those things. And then and people break them down in different ways. They go, oh, that's my family, that's my friends, that's my brain, that's you know, that's that's how they're built.